So would you welcome our wonderful friend, Mike Boswell. Mike, would you come? I'm not our only deacon. There's more than one. There's more than one deacon. No, you just said our deacon. But, but one of, it is great to be here. Um, I want to add one little thing to the community tomorrow night. You can come at any time, and there will be a couple of leaders here that in your small family group, you can take communion more in an intimate style instead of, not to say group communion is not great, but to do it in that intimate style to me is special with your family or friends, however you want to do that. Um, I am Mike Boswell. Uh, a little of my background, I uh, make my living teaching, and I teach in an industrial atmosphere. I teach adults um, for about 20 years now, I guess. And I've talked to groups of 400, but this group here has caused stress. And, and, and <laughs> the reason is this is an honored position. Um, this is a place that my message matters. Does it matter at work? Yeah. But this matters for eternal life. And, you know, it makes you have to take an extra study, an extra deep dive. And when Bobby uh, asked me, I guess back in November, if I would preach today, I said, let me pray. And um, I prayed over it, and I immediately had scripture to use today. And um, I called Bobby, and I said, the message is, is going to be on love, because he didn't tell me what the message was going to be. He said, it's up to you. And I don't know if you've noticed, but Bobby's progression over the last four weeks has led right up to love. So, you know, the, the Holy Spirit speaks, and he provides, and it's um, very awesome the way that he provides. Um, there you go. So that's the miracles of Christmas. Do I click one more? Yep. And today's the miracle of love. And God's love is quite amazing. Um, where can you begin? Where can you end with God's love? Because it's just all-encompassing. Um, I don't know what your memories are of Christmas. And I didn't ask Bob if I could put a Christmas tree up there, but there it is. But, you know... Um, how many of you grew up poor? How many of you grew up poor and you didn't even know you were poor? Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I really did. Um, we grew up with not a lot of money. Um, as most people my age, we had one working parent. And when Christmas came, I really thought we were rich because my parents scraped and put together so that we would have what they considered an amazing Christmas. And we had it every year. Um, I can remember those Christmas mornings and those Christmas days and the family and just the love that was shared. And, you know, I grew up, my dad um, is an engineer or was an engineer before he retired. I think once an engineer, always. But he was also a bivocational pastor. So, you know, I grew up hearing the message every Sunday, Sunday, Sunday night, and Wednesday, as it was at that time. And most of the time it was from my father. So, you know, it was... Uh, it was amazing. It, it was amazing growing up in that method. But over the past several weeks, as Bobby has progressed through this, we started off with fulfillment. And, you know, fulfillment, I don't know how many times in Scripture, but Brad could probably tell me, but I don't know how many times Christ was foretold. And other things that happened in the New Testament were foretold in the Old Testament. And... It's, it's not amazing to me anymore because it's God. 
But, you know, it's just like this message here. I came up with love, and then I saw Bobby's transition, and he told me, you're going to call it the miracle of God's love. I said, okay, okay, boss. And, uh, <laughs> but I got my first scripture, and the next week it was confirmed because I heard it again. Um, another kind of foolish statement that I made is I'm having a hard time finding Christmas songs that include love. And then God says, well, let me show you. And then all of these Christmas songs, I see love. And I started talking to Lisa about the songs today. Did she cover love this morning? Yeah. So, you know, Christmas is love. No question. No question whatsoever. And then we go to Mary. You know, I, I can't imagine what went through a a young girl's heart, a young lady, I don't think she was quite a young woman, she was really a, an older girl, what went through her heart when she realized what's happened to me? And then I thought of Joseph. What love. Um, what faith. What... I do not understand how in the world he ever believed the story that he was told. You know, I, I don't, because I... It's just, is it a miracle? Most definitely. And that's the only way in the world that you can describe what went through with Joseph. And then last week with the incarnation, it was the segue into what I'm going to talk about today. Um, Christ came to fulfill love. And uh, if you sit and think about what ways he fulfilled love, you'll be thinking a while because you'll just keep writing things on a piece of paper and you'll make a list and it'll get longer and it'll get longer because it was fulfilled in so many ways on so many levels. But it was enjoyable to do the, the look of love. Um, depending on Bible translation, I came up with about 300 times the word love is mentioned. And we talked in Bible study at Brad's house the other night about love. And there's so many additional times that love is there, but the word love's not. You know, you go back to the Garden of Eden, and one of the first things God did is he, he visited in the evening with uh, Adam and Eve. He walked in the cool of the evening. That's love, that fellowship and love. And then when they sinned, the first thing that he did for them is he gave them clothing. Once again, an exhibition of love. And it continues right on that way. And, you know, that's in the first couple of chapters of Genesis. You don't see the word love, but there it is. You see it. And you, I don't think you have to look real hard. But the, the portion of a verse of Scripture that was really given to me was, For God so loved the world. Um, I think each of us are real good at loving, and we're good at loving a group. So is God, the world. And um, when I've thought of that over the years, what does that mean? Does that mean he loves his? Sure. But it means he also loves the haters, the ones that hate him. And one of my biggest pet peeves with humans as they read scripture is a lot of times I think we like to add a lot of if, ands, or buts. This one doesn't have any if, ands, or buts. God so loved the 
world. And that's all encompassing. Uh, very s- short verse, and, and Bobby's talked about it, I think, twice in, in this series. And this was the verse that was given to me as the basis for our message today. I think everybody in here knows that verse, probably the, the completion of it also. And it, it's, it's an exciting verse. But do we study it? We know that God loved us. Um, and we know he sent his son. And I think a lot of times I like to think, well, he, or I have thought in the past, that he sent his son for me because now I believe in him. But long before I believed, he was loving and he was seeking me. Um, amazing? For sure, for sure. Um, I'll tell you all that most of the time when I teach, I prefer groups of 20. And I'll call on people. <laughs> and I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> but the wonderful thing about it is, is it gets a banter going and it gets that discussion going. It's like small group. And this is just so much different for me for me to just talk. And I know y'all think I talk all the time because I mostly do. But, yeah, Mike. <laughs> but uh, when you think about love, I think people don't think of the God of the Old Testament as love for the most part. They think of the God of the New Testament. Um, We think of Corinthians, you know, Corinthians. Everybody always goes there when they think of love. But it started in the beginning, like I said. So then I started trying to figure out how am I going to segue to love throughout Scripture. And I never could come with my first Scripture. And then one night I dreamed I was preaching this sermon. (laughs) And, And this verse was given to me. And I've never been... If I have, I've never recognized that I was given a scripture in a dream. But that night I was given a scripture, which doesn't sound like a Christmas scripture. And it's really not a Christmas scripture. But I was, came to Exodus 3, 7 through 8. It says, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings, And I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is when Moses went to the burning bush and was sent. He was sent to Egypt. And here he was sent to to rescue all of the nation of Israel, which... I thought a lot about that. This is, you know, where in Scripture, to me, the representative of God's love for the world began. And was the nation of Israel the entire world? They weren't, but they were his chosen. And I think he began to show what he was going to do with Scripture, kind of in the New Testament, or after Christ, in the Old Testament, because his people represent the entire world in the Old Testament to me, because was Christianity for all the world in the Old Testament, or does it seem to focus on the nation of Israel? It seems to focus on the nation of Israel. It was for all, but very difficult for others. Um, So when I saw this first representation of Christ rescuing all, 
It showed that love. Did all of the nation of Israel love Christ? Or love God? No. Were they all followers? No. Um, I know when I, I read about their 40 years in the wilderness, there were many times that I was really surprised that the nation of Israel survived. Because, <laughs> you know, you read one verse and they're on the top of the mountain, and on the next verse they're building an, a golden calf. You know, it's like, wow, that is love, because it's that patience. Kind of thought about those Christmases of yore, you know, with my parents. You know, my parents, I know it's going to be hard to believe, but there were a lot of things they had to put up with with me. Um, okay. All right, you did believe it. But um, <laughs> I was a true pain at times, but that love never stopped. I think the, the temptation to throttle had to be controlled because they really wanted to strangle me at times. But that love never stopped. And that was because it was love for, his, for their family. Just like Christ's love is for his family, which he considers all of us. In the uh, scripture for today that I chose as far as the scripture that represents Christmas was from Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And this is where, to me, the ultimate love for eternity began. Because we had a babe, foretold, that came to a manger to be with us. And after we studied Christ incarnate last week, it showed what he gave up. It showed what he put away. Um... He came as 100% God and 100% man. And after Bobby explained that last week, I still don't totally understand how that works. Do I believe it? Yes, because I have faith in my scripture. But what kind of love did it take to give up heaven, to come here? And not even to live a life as a man, but to suffer as a man. To suffer as most men never experience. And did Christ know that was coming? Yeah. Because where was that foretold? Back in the Old Testament in Isaiah. We, we knew he would be beaten. We knew he would be flogged. He, he knew that he wouldn't have bones broken, but he, he knew that he would die. For people that he loves, most obviously. Um, so, you know, to me, that's where the ultimate picture of love began for us. When a, a, a loving God decided, let me put away my royalty, my kingdom, my whatever you want to call heaven, because I can't imagine it. You know, that beautiful place that we see John try so feebly to um, describe, and he's trying to describe something of heaven in earthly words, which he can't. And that's what Christ decided Yes, Father, I will leave it for you, for these people. It's a wow moment for me. Has he, uh, I think back on parents, and, and, you know, parents do all these things for their children, and sometimes the children just throw it right back in their face. It's like, wow, you know, and, and I've thought of God and how many times he has done things for me that I've just thrown it back in his face. 
but he continued to chase me. You know, um, Monday nights we, uh, I have a singing ministry on Monday nights. We sing to people in a uh, nursing facility. And one of our favorites is Victory in Jesus. And the words in Victory in Jesus is he sought me. I didn't have to go looking for him because he sought me. That's what began there in that cradle or manger is the seeking of me, which is an amazing, amazing love. And I know, where does Mike come up with these Christmas scriptures? But In Matthew 18, we uh, go to the story of the lost sheep. It says, what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine on the mountain and go and search for one that is straying? If it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine which have not gone astray. So it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And I chose these scriptures because they show that he's all-encompassing. You know, it's very easy to love our own. Even when our own aren't so wonderful, it's still easy to love our own. With the lost sheep, you know, I, I think this is the first time I ever really looked at the lost sheep or the flock as the world. And I've always kind of looked at the world at, at the lost sheep as a smaller group than the whole. But if the flock is the entire world, this right here is telling us Christ is seeking all. And yes, he has a, a group that are us, you know, that are his, that are my Christians. But there's that whole other group out there that Christ is still seeking for. And he's still protecting the ones that are left in the stable. And notice that he didn't leave those sheep out in a field somewhere. He left the 99. Uh, see, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go and search for the one that is straying? And that mountain is that place where they have their food, they have their water, they have what they need, they have shelter. And he comes and seeks the rest. And I am so thankful that he chased me. You know, um, being a pastor's kid, I did my running. And unfortunately, it seems to be that that is a, uh, a normal thing for a lot of pastor's kids. My brother didn't seem to run quite so far, but I, I, I had wheels. <laughs> and the whole time that I was running and doing the things that I did of the world, I always felt guilt. Always. And you know, I didn't feel guilt because there was something in me, I don't think. I felt guilt because that shepherd was chasing me. Mike, you need to come back to the flock. You need to come back to the flock. You need to come back to the flock. And I am so glad 
that God is not as patient as I am. He's so much more patient than I am because he seeks. He seeks and he seeks and he seeks until he catches. And which one of us has been that sheep? All of us. We've been that sheep out on the mountain that was astray. And he came for us. And he brought us back to the flock. And had it have just been one of us as this, he would have sought just as hard. So I gave a, just a, a few little pictures there of Christ's love. Starting back in the garden with the love of the Father for man. Moving on to the love that we had at the burning bush where Moses was prepared to go save my people. And as we move forward into the New Testament, we saw that incarnation. You know, we didn't see the words. We saw the actual incarnation of God come to earth as love. And Christ's love was amazing on a, on a level that we'll never understand. Um, it, it's, just, it's just unimaginable for me. Um, he went through temptations by choice. He succeeded in those temptations by choice. And he continued to move forward. And what, what can you say but just amazing? Um, and as we covered last week, all of those issues of love were so that we would know how to do it. Um, he didn't say, I'm going away to wait for you. He said, I'm going away to prepare a place. And he said, I'll send you a helper. And that helper came. And, you know, this is the, the, the point in a, a one of my classes that I would say, what did he mean by a helper? And, and I, I really enjoy that solicitation of a group because through everybody's mind in here right now, there's a picture of helper. And they're not all the same. And the reason they're not all the same is we don't all need that same help. And uh, the Holy Spirit sent as a helper has many, many, many different forms that he takes to fill that need that we have at that time, to provide that help that we have at that time. Um, <laughs> Susan asked me a couple times this week, she said, aren't you preaching on Love Sunday? Because I can be honest with you, the attack of the other side has been on me this week. It's truly been on me because I have struggled. And one of my worst uh, places is, is driving. And um, I have been cut off terribly this week. I mean, <laughs> and I had to think, wow, God loves that person. Are we supposed to love that person too? <laughs> we are. 
We are. You know, um, I first started having uh, conviction about love or the lack of proper love in the world when we were in uh, one of our Middle Eastern wars back in the early 2000s. And we were at work one day, and a, you know, and I, I work for the for government, so we get some military pictures every now and then that I wouldn't show on a screen here in church because they tend to be a little bad. But it showed a team of ISIS or Taliban or whichever group they were being gunned down. And I, I have had a very good friend at the time at work that was sitting across the desk from me, and he watched that video, Christian man, and he started cackling. And I had to sit back. I said, how do you feel, Mike? How does God feel? And, uh, you know, when we started talking about groups that had killed Americans, you know, we're thinking, take them out, take them out. And that's your first thought. But then I got to think, wow, God loves those people. And when a Christian dies, I think there's a party in heaven. When someone who's not a Christian dies, I think that's one of the few times that there's sadness for God. Because he wants heaven full. He doesn't want heaven for his group. He wants it full. And I used to tell people, you know, my goal is to go to heaven and drive a bus. And, you know, I want that bus slammed full of people when I go. And, you know, that's the love God has. That's the love we're supposed to have. And I have a friend. He says, uh, you love the sinner, but you hate the sin. I think it's hard to draw the line between those. Um, we're supposed to love everybody. We really are. And, and if you don't have that love, then we are not going to spread the gospel as we should. Um, we are going to want to ignore that group or ignore that group. Um, Gary and I talked, Gary Russell and I talked the other week about his work overseas. And the people that he's trying to reach aren't necessarily the most loved people on earth in some, in some instances. But he's seeking them. You know, and that's such a godlike thing to do because God is seeking those people too. He's seeking those people that have never had a generation of Christians in their town. But he's seeking them because that's his love. That's the love that we're supposed to have at Christmas. You know, I put that family Christmas picture from the 50s up there at the beginning. And I know what was given to me through love. You know, I thought we were the richest family on the street because I felt that love in my family. You know, and that's the love that everyone should feel from me. And it should be everyone. Um, John 14, 8 and 9. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. And 
as Christians, that means we are Christ followers. Um, we are to be Christ-like. Wow. You know, is that a responsibility? Because when people looked at Jesus, they were seeing the Father. And when Christ told Philip and the rest of the disciples to follow me, he's saying, follow my example. Easy thing to do? It's not something that you can do by accident. It's something that you have to prepare for. You have to, whatever your method is of preparing for your day, you have to prepare. You know, wow, God, I want to treat everyone with love today. Is that a normal Christian thing to do? It should be. It's definitely not a normal human thing to do because we are very good at loving ours. And, you know, I, I think here in the church, it's very easy for us to love ours. It's not as always as easy to love those from without. Easy those within. But we're supposed to love them all. You know, um, I've been to some small churches in my life, and a lot of times people really don't want their small church to grow because we're comfortable like we are. You, you've experienced it. <laughs> but, you know, we're comfortable like we are. We don't want our church to grow. But church needs to bust at the seams. You know, and when it busts at the seams, you take the steps to make things keep on working. That's what we should all be trying to do is to make this church overflow. And not as much river bend as God's church. You know, uh, I've been in church board meetings where we discussed having the church grow by seeking other Christians. If they're Christians, we don't need to grow from those people. We need to grow from people who aren't Christians, who aren't exhibiting God's love, who aren't experiencing God's love. Um, Christ gave us that, that example. Three other scriptures. and uh, The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Wow. Um, the thing that I always love about Scripture is there's very little gray. You're in love or you're in darkness. It doesn't talk about being in the twilight. You're in one or the other. And very serious scriptures about how we are supposed to follow. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And the last one is always uh, one that has amazed me. Words of Paul. Be imitators of me, just as I am of Christ. Those three scriptures, to me, aren't the only. 
but they surmise what we are supposed to do with love. We are supposed to exhibit the love of Christ. Tough love? Most assuredly. And I would say that that is a commandment that is impossible on our own. We can't do it as humans. We cannot do it as humans. We have to have the power that comes from above. And like we were talking, or I was talking earlier, y'all haven't talked. We weren't talking, so. <laughs> but like I said earlier, we get that power from above by prepping. Um, scripture. All these are, to me, booster scriptures. Because they're like, wow, wow, look what's available. Look what's available. Um, prayer. You know, do we think of praying to, to boost our love level? And when you take the incarnation of Christ as the ultimate picture of love, Christianity becomes wrapped in love. It becomes a, a core focus of all of Christianity. And there's no reason to try to evangelize unless you love. Because that's the reason. It's because you care. And that's being that imitator of Christ. And Paul, when he said, be an imitator of me just as I am an Im imitator of Christ, I always have to say, wow, because that's the level Paul was living at. And as we read scripture on what Paul did, Paul went to prison. What did Paul do while he was in prison? He tried to convert the guards. He did convert many of the guards. Wow. You know, I, I, I'm not sure that when I am on the bottom that I'm trying to convert everyone around me. I'm trying to pull myself up by my bootstraps. But that isn't what Paul did. Paul used the example of Christ to evangelize. And I've seen many evangelists over the years that you could feel that love and you knew that their entire goal was to save the world. And as Christians, is that our goal? Yeah, it's to save the world. Because if God so loved the world, that's what we're supposed to love. And... Uh, just our, our, our blessing. I know when my love's where it should be, when I'm treating people like I should, I'm at peace. Um, this week I have not been at peace because I have worried over this message. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Brad talked short this morning. <laughs> but um, you know, these messages are wonderful um, and no one gets more from a message than the preparer. Because as you're looking and you're thinking, what verses should I use? And you, you're on the fence and you're seeing these two verses. And then you go out the next day and you you're, you got the radio on. And that's the scripture they read between songs. It's like, oh, yeah, there you go. Because you get that confirmation. And those confirmations are amazing. They make you feel good. They make you ready to move forward. And I've never had any question on this 
that the scripture or the message was to be on love, and John three sixteen was to be our scripture. Because God so loved the world. And he sent his son. And that son did die. And on the third day he rose. And I liked this picture. Bobby talked about the halos last week on Mary and Joseph, but I don't know why they always put the halos on the people in the paintings of the 13, 14, 1500s, whenever it was. But that is, to me, the picture of the entire fulfillment of love. A God who left his throne to come down here and be one of us. Not so that he could suffer, but so he knew exactly how we live, so that he knew exactly what we go through, so he experienced the things that we go through so that later when we called him we needed help, he knew exactly how to send the help. And he was successful. And that is probably the, the thing of God that blows me away the most is that he came here as a 100% man and was still 100% successful. So can we do it? Yeah. Not on our own. But as described for us in the New Testament, he's here. If we listen. Um, I've always said conscience is Holy Spirit. You know, If we listen to that Holy Spirit, we know how to go to that next step. We know how to get through that next uh, hurdle because he loves us. He wants us to share that love with the world. And, you know, today, that is the place that we need to move forward on. What do I need to do to fix my love gene? Because I think all of us need a, a little repair. Maybe I'm the only one, but I think all of us need a little repair on our love gene because God loved the world. Thank you, Mike. We have been given <clears throat> a gentle charge and commission to have God's heart for the lost. And I didn't know what he was going to preach on. That's been burdening me for our church for about the last month. But I've been praying with increasing frequency over you and over myself. The prayer that Paul prayed in Philippians when he said this, this I pray that your love might abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that we may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of and praise of God. My prayer for you, beloved, and for myself is that God would baptize us in love, that God would break our hearts for the things that break His, that God would stir us to see the unsaved the way He sees them, to hear them with the ears of the Holy Spirit, if you will, to enlarge our hearts for those that were in our place at one time 
in darkness with no way out. We're to be bus drivers. We are to be bus drivers with buses full as we drive our way into heaven. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both now and forevermore, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'll ask those who are going to pray this morning if you'll come forward now. If you have needs that you want someone to pray for you on, please come forward. If you want them to pray that God will give you a fresh infilling of of His Spirit for the lost, to love them, come and ask for prayer. And may God bless you greatly all week long with His intimacy, His love, His Word, His truth. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day. And remember who you are. Praise the Lord.